0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. Uh, we're going to continue on in the study that we're doing right now through the New Testament. We're in the book of Galatians. Uh, we're 140 weeks in to our study and uh, it's been fun. I hope, uh, I hope you've been enjoying it. I know it's, uh, I like working through the scriptures this way, chapter at a time. You learn a lot. You kind of hold everything in context, which I think is very helpful. The, the context of the, of the Scriptures is important. And we're, we've done the Gospels, and we did the book of Acts, and now uh, we're tackling the letters that Paul wrote in the order that we think he wrote them, which kind of holds them in context, knowing what he did. We know that he went out on these missionary journeys and that um, he started these churches, and the church was a brand-new thing back then. A lot of things, you know, they were having to figure out along the way. Um, Paul usually couldn't stay in a town very long because the, uh, he'd get run out of town. And, uh, and and so the people loved Paul. They would, they would uh, get in touch with him and say, Hey, we have these situations. How do we handle them? And he would write back letters to them. He'd send his guys over there. He did all sorts of stuff. But uh, in this case now, he's, he's dealing with a new issue at the church, uh, the Galatians church, the church in Galatia. And... Um, What's happened there, we know, is that they've uh, been um, visited by a group of people known as the Judaizers. And uh, this was a group of um, uh, Jewish believers who um, had accepted Christ, but who had taken on themselves the mission of going to the new Gentile churches to telling them that um, all this grace stuff that they'd heard wasn't all the whole deal and that they also had to get under the law. And they—they um, they were. Paul refers to them as the, you know, the mutilators of the flesh. They were coming in and telling the Gentile believers that they needed to be circumcised. And in reality, what they were saying was they had to take on the entire burden of the law that was on the Jewish people. And so Paul starts going right after that, and we—he's—he's uh, he's attacking that, and he does throughout a big chunk of the New Testament. He—he he talks about grace and and why we're not under law, and and we've looked at that in a lot of different scenarios, and. Um, we know that uh, he he immediately defended his position when this first happened. And then we also know he wrote about the fact that he went to Jerusalem and he got the church there to agree with him that um, this was not the case, that the uh, Gentile believers were in under grace, that the Holy Spirit had moved upon them, which was a sign and more than enough of a sign that they were in the kingdom and that they didn't need to get put under the law. And Paul was saying, you know, that that... Those Jewish believers that had come in Christ were no longer under it either. And um, he's going to address that in this chapter in particular and in uh, next week when we look in Galatians 4. So uh, he's expanding on his sort of uh, defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it means to all of us and, and what grace is all about and what faith is all about and, and how that works in our lives. So Galatians 3 picks it up like this. It's 29 verses. It says, verse 1, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith, on the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise, but God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I love Galatians 3. It's very clear-cut. I don't think we need to explain that at all. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll explain a little. Um, what, what Paul is saying here in, in Galatians 3, and he takes the first five verses, and basically what he says is, is that life, real life is not and cannot be found in the law it's not found there they can't get it you can't get it there if you could get it there that would be one thing but you can't paul says it over and over again it just doesn't happen through the law you can't get real life by following the law and he starts by expressing his amazement that the galatians have been so easily impacted by the judaizers and he he asked some pretty uh, intense questions Um, that kind of make that point the first the question that he asked he says did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard see the Holy Spirit has come and has been moving in their churches and miracles have been happening and things have been going on and they've been growing all this neat stuff has happened and that was before the Judaizers came and he said well when did the Spirit start moving when it was you responded in faith or when they tried to put you under the law he goes on and he says, are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Are you so foolish? See, the thing is, though, and we talk about this, this is what's so fascinating, because this happens over and over and over again throughout history. We, we catch on to who God is. We get a touch from him. We, we get... Um, exposed to him and his spirit by grace, and we see these neat things happen in our lives, and then for some reason, all of a sudden, and it's almost always this way, someone comes along into our lives, and they start putting rules on us. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, you didn't hear that quite right. That grace thing, yeah, that's good, but, but really now what you have to do is you have to do these things. And they start trying to build for you the very box they put themselves in about who God is. And, and it usually sounds pretty good. It's usually pretty easy to go, oh, well, that makes sense. Because they're, they're not, I, I, you know, I don't think, they're, they're not setting out to try and cause you ill harm or evil. They just are trying to say, well, this is how it's done. This is what you need to do. This is, these are the rules. And, and I've told you this before, and will we'll tell you again, because you need to listen to it. We are like rules. For whatever reason, part of our sin nature is that we like the rules. Mostly, I think, so then we know how to break them or something. I don't know. But we like a rule because it seems to be easier to give, give me a set of rules instead of making me listen for the, and, and, and figure it out through the Spirit of God and know what grace looks like. Give me rules because rules are easier for me to follow. I don't have to think about following rules. But, but what we have in Christ is a relationship where we need to hang out with him and spend time with him and listen to the Spirit of God as he directs us. And then he begins to um, lovingly teach us, guide us, and convict us about what we should and shouldn't do. And see, sometimes we settle for rules because in the rules, um, depending on who's making the rules, it might work out pretty well for us. Oh, really? I can do that? Huh, well, I don't have to listen to the Spirit of God if he's telling me I shouldn't do that because the rule, there's the rule, and I'll just go with the rule. Well, see, it works in all sorts of ways. And um, people get scared sometimes when you talk about grace because they think, well, that just means I can go and do anything. That was constantly happening in Scripture. What are you saying, Paul? We can just do whatever we want? And Paul would go, well, of course not. He said, what I'm saying is that, that you need to allow the Spirit of God to define for you what life looks like because that's where you find life. When you try and find it in following the rules, there's no life. Because like I said, one of your biggest things will be breaking the rules. Um, Because that's what we do. And, And so, we we have to listen for the Lord in the process because that's where life is. That's it's in that process that we see God breaking through, the kingdom of God breaking through, the Spirit of God moving. Um, once we once we decide we're going to put God in this box surrounded by our rules, guess what happens? He can't move in that. He doesn't operate in that. He just doesn't. And so it becomes something less than what we have when the Spirit of God is is moving. It becomes you know show and becomes tradition. It becomes Um, you know, uh, just thing, ritual. But God's not there. And then when God quits showing up, the next thing that happens, there's no love to be found, and everybody just becomes mean and miserable. And they don't, you know, it's just... And so so we lose life. And that's his argument. You're walking away from life. You've been experiencing life in the Spirit in your church. Why would you want to change that? And, And that's the question we always have to be aware of in our own lives. Why would we settle for... Something less than we can experience in the Lord, but don't hear me. There's there's order. Paul, you know, we we just did First Corinthians, all of First Corinthians, and we see him setting up order. There's supposed to be order in the church. Everything should be done decently in order. It doesn't mean that we're going to move into chaos and that everything goes. That's not what it means at all. It just means that that in listening to the Spirit, he begins to teach us, and he won't um take you to things that aren't good for you. And, and so there's a, there's, that's where we begin to find life. And, and so we, we need to be listening for that, and listening to him and moving through that in the process. The law, Paul says, had not, you know, had not brought them life. What had brought them life was faith in Jesus. And, and so this is what happens. They believed the gospel, and, and as they believed, they had come into experiencing real life with God. And so life in Christ is a matter of faith, then, from beginning to end. Um, and, and if real life is found in Christ, received in Christ, and lived by faith in Christ, why in the world would we turn to the law? That needs to become the question that we're constantly asking ourselves. Why would we go after that? Why would we set over something less than we can experience in the process of our lives? So he, he mentions that's what those first five verses are all about. Now, in, in the next chunk of verses, in 6 or 18, Um, he's going to expand this and he's going to say that faith um, is, is not only the key to life for the New Testament believer, it was also the same thing for the Old Testament believer. And he talks about Abraham believing God and that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so this idea of faith is not a new thing. It's been going on since the beginning and it's always been there. It's always been about faith. And the law cannot... And does not bring life. In fact, Paul says, the law actually condemns us and puts everyone who does not do everything written in it under a curse. How about that? That's what the law does. Why would you want that on you? Because once you come up under that thing, which is what had happened, if you don't do everything in it, you're under a curse. That's what happens. And guess what? You're a sinner. Did you? You knew that, right? I'm sorry if that's news to anyone tonight. I apologize to break that to you in such a tough way. You can't keep it. You can't. And so the, the, the people under the law were actually under a curse because they couldn't keep it. None of us can keep it. No, we couldn't even keep the 10. You, you, you would think that, you know, 10, uh, that's what they're talking about. But then we've added to it since then. But 10 ought We ought to be able to do 10. Can't do 10 can't. Everybody here has blown the ten. So, um, we have to relate to God through faith. It has always been that way, and it will always be that way, and it was for the Old Testament believers, just as it is for us. So then the question becomes, as you you go through the next verses, beginning from there and moving on, why was the law introduced? What was it all about? Why Why did the law even come? and ultimately it came because of the hardness of people's hearts the transgressions of men was so great that until Jesus came something had to be in there to hold it back a little bit because people left to their own devices just went completely off the charts and did whatever they just whatever they wanted to do with no restraint whatsoever and so the law was introduced uh, 430 years after that encounter with Abraham, so it's not like the law happened right away, faith started, then the law was introduced afterwards, um, and, and faith was always intended to be the way that people would relate to God, but the law was put in temporarily because of the hardness of men's heart, and, and it was always meant to be that, Temporary from the beginning, it was, it was in effect the, until Jesus came. It says that in those verses. The law was meant to be temporary until Jesus comes. Until the seed came, the law was introduced temporarily because of the transgressions of man. So, so you have that, that, that first thing going on there. The law came, but it was meant to be temporary, and that's what Paul says. Then he goes on and he says that the law didn't have the function of bringing life. That role was always given to faith, The law, in effect, was introduced to lead us to Christ. The law is there. In effect, the law comes in because of the transgressions of men to say, okay, we'll do this. The reality would be we can't do that and that we need something more than that because it's not enough. We obviously can't live this out. And it was supposed to be a teacher. It was supposed to let you know that you needed a savior. See, the reality is when you take that in and you realize that no matter what set of laws you try and follow, that you always fail, there needs to be another way there needs to be something else and and it was just to be uh, laying there for us and in effect until jesus came and then we would finally know well, that's what we need a savior because we we can't keep it we just can't we have to be phony we have to pretend we have to act like we're doing it when we're not we have to because we can't do it and so the, the law was was put in place to to teach us or to lead us to christ paul actually gives the example of what he's talking about um, he, he, he gives us the example in scripture of, a, of someone called a pedagogue, and a pedagogue was a family slave who was put in charge of the children, and uh, the young children were under the tutelage of the family slave, and they didn't get full rights as children until they were older. They were children, but they were kind of under the um, supervision of this family slave who was raising them, and so they were seeing through this other thing rather than his children. And, um, and so the law was kind of like this family slave that was there to watch over the children until faith would be revealed. And so, so the, the law then was there to make us aware of our need for a savior. Now, Paul goes then he says, now that Christ has come, those who have faith in him are no, under, no longer under the supervision of the law. Since we are now in Christ, we're no longer under uh, and subject to something less than, to a pedagogue. We, we become children with full rights in Christ. We, be, we become, uh, all of us, and it says, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, everyone's in, um, uh, in Christ. And we have access to relate to God in faith in Christ. And so, so Paul is making his case in this process. And he's going to, next in chapter 4, the first chunk of it is all about this. He's still talking about this too. Because he introduces the idea of full rights as sons and that, that we can call him Abba, Daddy, and all this neat stuff that happens. And, and so that's going to be introduced into the process. We get to see him differently. So, so in, in this chapter then, mostly what he's saying is, look, um, the law isn't the end all. If it was, we wouldn't have needed Jesus to come. If, if the law could have done it, he would have never had to go to the cross. He would have never had to give in his life. If the law could have done it, none of that would have needed. It was unnecessary. But he said it was necessary because the promise was through Abraham to Christ, to his seed, that we could have a relationship with God through faith. And so he reintroduces the idea. So that is basically what's happening in Galatians 3. I'm sure it's all perfectly clear to you now. Um, just catch the main things. They're trying to put the law back on people. They always will, and it doesn't work. It will never work, because your relationship with God is through faith, not through, the, not through following the law. It doesn't work. And, and, and so think about it, because it'll happen. Throughout your lives, you're going to end up in situations where people are trying to put you back under the law. It's just it's one of those deals. It's always going to be that way. And there's no life there. There's no life there. I'm not saying there's not yes and no's and right and wrong, because there is, but the Spirit of God will teach you those things. And it's very difficult when someone says, okay, well, I'm going to determine that for everybody else. These are, these are the rights, and, and it doesn't work. The Spirit does that. And He has to do that for you. And you have to get into your relationship to the place where He can do that for you, where you're listening. There's something about the Spirit of God when He finally moves into a situation that you deal with it. Anything People can tell you over and over again you shouldn't be doing something or you should be doing something or whatever. But when the Spirit of God pops into you and does it, you you generally go, hmm, okay. It's probably time I acted on that. And then he moves us and brings us to life. So that's Galatians 3. We pick up more of this same subject next week, but that's good enough for this week. Uh, Thank you. For watching, if you're watching by video or on television, God bless you. All, if there's anything we can do for us, uh, you we can, you can call us or write us or email us. That was funny. If there's anything that you can do for us, please, please let us know. <laughs> Sorry. You should probably leave that in. That'll be funny. Uh, okay. If there's anything we can do for you, call us, email us, write us. We'll do whatever we can. We'll be praying for you. Thank you for being a part. And uh, we're going to close here with prayer tonight. So... Um